Today I want to talk on everyone. Next week it will be everyone part two. I grew up uh, playing team sports. How many grew up playing team sports? I, I, I loved it. I was a basketball player. played some football and some baseball also, but basketball was my main thing. And I was a point guard. And um, I, I love team sports because I, I like the, the feeling that comes with a group of people coming together to go to war against another group of people. And I, I just do. And I don't know if that's why I like war movies. I, I don't know. Uh, but uh, I've always been that way. I like the fact that, let's say basketball on a team, you have people playing specific roles. You have point guard, shooting guard, small forward, uh, power forward, center. I know those things are kind of different nowadays, but that's the way it specifically was back uh, in, in my day. And um, I like that you, you have plays, you run plays. I like the fast break, the way you set things up like that. I really enjoyed when the game was on the line. And it was neck and neck, and that crucial timeout is called, and you come to the huddle, and the coach is laying down the play, you know, and what you got to run, and this and that. And, and we're looking at each other like you're getting all pumped up. Anybody remember those days? You're like, man, this is it, man. And I like going out to war because I just love the fact of going to battle like that. See, sports is like that because if you played uh, team sports, you know the goal is win and destroy the enemy. Any amens on that one right there? Well, Jesus, when it comes to our lives, the local church, let me tell you something about the local church. Um, a New Testament um, imagery of who we are is, is the body of Christ. Um, Jesus is the head, it says, and we are the body. And the body, if you think about it, it's a great, great imagery because the body has specific parts. And we're all called to play specific parts in the local body of believers. Now, um, I don't like to call it church so much. I do mistake at times because if I say, we're, you know, go to church, I don't like that because we start thinking like, well, then the church is a building. It's not a building. The biblical truth of, a ch- of church is people. The building is just bricks and mortar and everything else. But if we start to think of this as a church, we will lose our impact in the community and society, which I think happens because we start thinking, I go to church. No, you are the church. You are the church, and you're, you're a functioning part of the church. You're, you're a part of the body of Christ. I still believe with all my heart, the local church is the hope of the entire world. Would anybody say amen to that? I don't care what, there's a lot of good organizations, but the local church is still Jesus' hope of the world. Mankind needs salvation. Now, as a part of the body of Christ, it's very important we take our part, and take our role, otherwise there are gaps in the kingdom of God. Now, there are prominent and significant parts of the body of Christ. Uh, let me explain. I'm a prominent part, probably. A prominent part is something you see. So maybe I'm like a hand because you see me. I'm out front, things like that. But there's significant parts. For instance, has anyone ever come up to you and said, you have a great-looking liver? <laughs> no one's ever said that to you. Wow. They say that to me all the time. Something must be wrong with you. No. no, no one's ever said that to me either. Now, but if you think about it, the liver is the unseen significant part of the body besides the heart and kidney and everything else. But there are people in the body of Christ that you are the significant parts. You're the unsung hero. Nobody sees what you do. You teach kids classes or assist there. You're the ask me people out front out there. You're the prayer warriors behind the scenes praying on Tuesday nights and praying once a month, walking the neighborhoods. You're, you're the ones, you know, that are seating people when it's dark and you're walking them there, ushers, you're doing all that stuff. You're the ones in the aid room that no one ever sees out there. You don't see any of these things, but they're significant. Without you, this place would fall apart. 
I get to be a prominent role. I get to be out front. But everybody has a part to play. And if somebody's not playing it, then we're in big trouble. Now, Jesus said it like this in uh, Matthew chapter 16, verse 17, 18. He said this. He said, and Jesus said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, that's Peter, <clears throat> because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father's in heaven. Peter's confessed Jesus as the Christ, the anointed one. And so Jesus is saying, you know, God the Father has revealed that to you, not your own flesh and blood, not you yourself. Verse 18, I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. Now notice there that you find two, two things right there. He's going to build, he's going to battle. That's what the local group of church people do. We are the church, the ecclesia. That's us, not the building. We're to build. We're to build people up or reaching for the kingdom, but build them up. We're to build. Jesus said, I'm going to build it and we're going to also drive back the gates of hell. We're going to battle. The same thing as in any team sport. You build your players up, you get them ready, they know their positions, and then you go to battle. We're to drive back the gates of hell. But if people aren't taking positions and doing what they're supposed to do, um, you know, the church is weakened and therefore, the enemy can push back and maybe push, cause us to retreat a little bit. And so we want to do some things today. I, I just want to rekindle. I want to refresh this week and next week. I, I, I want to redirect some of us that maybe our direction's gone off a little bit in our lives. So that's what I want to do today. And I hope you're here next Sunday because next Sunday is going to be even better than today. It's going to be a little bit different, but it's going to be even better. So three things I want to show you. It's all in your notes. I already filled it in, so don't panic if you can't see. It's already filled in for you, okay? Because um, I know some of you are like, I, I just got to write this. I, I get it. I'm, I appreciate you taking notes. First thing is, we want everyone, because everyone's this, the message, everyone love God. Jesus said to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, spirit, strength. Any, any amens on that one right there? Now, we're to love him with all of our heart. Our heart by, is not the, the organ that pumps blood. It's the heart. Biblical definition is it's the seat of our emotions. It's, it's the center of us. We could call it the midriff. And, and it's down deep in there that we're to love God with everything we've got. It's our whole being we're to love Him with. Now, this love, everyone love God is a double application. We want everyone everywhere to love God. We want, we want to lead you as a follower of Christ to love God. And notice I use the word follower of Christ. I'll reinforce that again. I don't like to use the word Christian because everybody's a Christian nowadays. Jesus never called his followers Christians. He called, they were followers. That's what he, he called them and they followed. The word Christian came up later as a negative kind of put down to create Christians. They're like little Christ. No, we're followers. It denotes action. I like that much better. And so we're to follow Christ. We're to have movement and action. We want everyone everywhere to love God, give your whole heart to him and love him. But, but let me tell you what that means also. It means we want everyone everywhere to come to a saving faith in Jesus Christ. Any amens? Now, how many of you ever said this, man, I wish Jesus would come today. I'm tired of all this stuff. I saw, I heard some painful amens out there. Okay, but I, I get it. I've had that too. I've done the same thing. I'm, not, I'm with you, but think about that. How many of you gave, have, have your, your faith in Christ, you gave your life to Christ, you put faith in Christ within the last 10 years? Raise your hand. Last 10 years. Raise, raise your hand. In the last 10 years. The rest of you have been saved longer than that, huh? Now, what happened if Jesus came 12 years ago? What would have happened to you? Been bad news, huh? And so you would say, thank God he didn't come 12 years ago. Thank God he waited. Well, that's good. Jesus did wait because he wants everyone saved. Now watch. I want to prove the point here. Put up um, uh, 2 uh, Peter 3.9. Watch what Peter, one of the 12 uh, disciples, one of the mainframe guys says this. He writes this. The Lord is not slow about his promise. Some count slowness. 
but is patient towards you. Aren't you glad he was patient? Not wishing for any, say any, for any to perish, but for all, say all, all to come to repentance. Question, how many people does Jesus want to come into a relationship, saving relationship of faith with him? Everybody on the planet. He wants everyone everywhere to come into that saving relationship. So with that said, here's our first challenge in 2020. We want everyone to win one. Every one of you, me included, all of us, every person here, win one person to Christ is here. Whether you lead them to Christ outside these walls or you bring them to church and they get saved at a service here, we want everyone to win one. Question, what would happen if every one of us won one person to Christ this year? Wouldn't that be incredible? But we're not doing that. But just win one. I know for some of you it's very daunting, it's intimidating, but just try it because when you start to share your faith, understand the Spirit of God is now so connected with you, He's maneuvering your words and everything that you're doing. He's with you. So that may be living a, a, a different holy life and people start asking questions and you start answering the questions. Some of you are evangelistic types. You say, win one, I can win 20 this year. You know, but that's 10% of you in this room can do that. But what would happen if everyone won one? That's our challenge this year. Win one. Now, when you win one person to Christ, that whoever that person is, Please don't leave them. Please start bringing them. Sit next to them. Join with them in a life group. Get them plugged in for one year. Because those of you who have had children, when you had that baby, you say, well, you're out on your own now, kid. You're a week old. You didn't do that, did you? No, you know that babies need a lot of attention. You got to give them milk to drink, not solid food. So when you lead someone to Christ, you just can't abandon that person. You've just got to keep going. So that's our first challenge. And think about this. Uh, uh, how many know what my favorite story is? Product, product. Have I ever taught on that before? I don't know. Okay, good. Oh, no. <laughs> um, my, it's my favorite story. But I want you to think about this. It, yeah, the prodigal son part of the story is the expanded version, but there are actually three stories in one. There's the lost coin, the lost sheep, and the lost son. And they're all in chapter 15 of Luke, all three of them. But they're all the same story, but the prodigal son is the expanded version to show how much God cares for every person on the planet. Now, here's a question. When Jesus, who tells that story, when he shares the same story three times, lost coin, lost son, lost sheep, when he shares the same story three times, do you think he's serious about it? Absolutely. And so we need to be as serious as he is about reaching lost folk. Because see, the real moral of the story is this. What is lost really matters to someone. See, lost people really matter to God. And they really should matter to us as church people. Any amen on that one right there? So we're challenging everyone, everyone, win one. Because Jesus said to Zacchaeus, he said, the Son of Man, meaning himself, came to seek, looking for, and save, save, saving faith, he came to seek and save that which is lost, and that's humanity. See, some of us need to get back to rekindle the joy of our salvation. Can you, are you, you feel that one right there? Because we be, some of us have become Christians so long, we forgot what it is to be on fire again. We forgot what it is to, to be so new saved that you just feel like you've got to tell somebody you're going to burst. We've got to get back to those things again. Otherwise, the church, is, the church is in paralysis and the gates of hell drive us back instead of us driving it back right there. So we would like to see everyone love God in 2020. Everyone in this room, every one of us, you online, everyone win one person and stay with that person. Any amens on that one right there? Okay, good. Now, I'm not done. We're, we're just starting now. The second pillar we're built on is everyone care for each other. 
Everyone care for each other. Jesus said, love your neighbor as your as yourself. Care for other people. It's just very simple. Jesus said, love just as I have loved you. Now, did you know there are 59 or thereabouts uh, one another's in the New Testament? 59. 59 one another's. So when you take that into consideration, you understand that the first followers of Christ, they were one anothering one another. Say that with me. One anothering one another. Try that again. One anothering one another. Now, when we sit in rows, which is fine on Sunday mornings, you cannot one another one another. But when you sit in circles, you can obviously one another one another. What do you mean circles? Well, you could sit in circles in small groups. Everyone everywhere should be one another in one another. Small groups. We believe that everyone everywhere should be in a small group. Now, it's a proven fact that in serving and in fellowship small groups, people grow at a much more rapid pace. Now, we call our small groups life groups. Some of us call it care groups, but they are small groups. We want everyone everywhere to be in one. Today is our, our, um, our life group fair. Three times a year, we put the tables out after service. We have you come and sign up. We have all kinds. So uh, let, me, let me share some with you. And by the way, uh, well, let me share the first. There's all kinds. The first type is a sermon-based which means you just take Sunday morning's notes and next Sunday I'll start the homework again, the questions, and you could take that to your group and you just you dialogue the questions uh, that I write in there. If you don't want to join a group per se, you could start a group with five or six or eight of you. I wouldn't go bigger than eight because then people don't talk. I want you to share. Start your own group, but let us know so you can come under the New Beginnings umbrella that you're doing this sermon-based group. That way we can promote it, that you're part of New Beginnings. We cannot promote anything outside of here. We don't know what's going on. We don't want heresy taught. Any amens on that one right there? It's a very important thing from a Bible teacher. And so um, you could do that. So there are sermon-based groups. Uh, specific discipleship tracks that we have are married groups. We have young adults. We have men's groups. Um, the men's group, we have one men's group, uh, a couple, and then we have the Life of David, uh, which means on Tuesday, we'll start on Tuesday next week, uh, and, uh, and then we have women's groups, various women's groups, and we have the Life of David 2 for the women. This men's group is Life of David 4. You can jump in any time, even though you missed one or the first three of the men's. Those are, those are here. Those two have a small fee for the curriculum. Uh, we have recovery and personal growth groups with Pastor Eric. Uh, meet on various nights, and those are to help you in specific areas to grow. But let me tell you some groups that we have going on all the time. They always go. And, and they are, uh, uh, during the week in the rear building, we have our James Club, which is AA. And yes, Christians do struggle with alcohol, as Christians struggle with everything imaginable, because we're human. So we have an AA group. It's all based on God. It's not higher power. It's Jesus Christ. And that's on Thursday nights. If you're struggling, go there. No one's going to condemn you. We're here to help you. We want to we make broken people whole. That's our goal. That's the goal of all these groups. And then we have uh, NA. NA meets on Sunday nights, Narcotics Anonymous. People struggle with drugs. Go there and get support. And then we have Al-Anon. Those of you that are in a family where someone is struggling with drugs or alcohol, that's your support group. That's on Thursday nights in the back. But, but they're going all the time, those, those three groups right there. We have our junior, inter, junior hires, I guess they call intermediate schoolers now, on Sunday mornings during second service, they break into groups. I think they're back in session today now, um, but they break into groups up there. Um, but the one group that I really like to push hard every time uh, because I read the stats, not Christian stats, just stats, and that is the Impact small groups. Impact is the um, Dave Ramsey financial piece. I, I read the articles. I read the stats. 
Americans are struggling on how to handle their finances. Americans are making really big mistakes on their spending habits in their 20s, 30s, 40s, some in their 50s. Americans are panicking now, like, how do I, how do I finish? Let me, let me tell you, young person especially, take the class. You won't be a panicking 50-some or 60-some-year-old. Take the class, put it into practice. Let me tell you, there's a fee because you get a lot of curriculum and then you become an alumni and you can go online and get all kinds of stuff, man. It's, it's a great thing. I've taken it twice. It's $99 a person or $99 for a couple. It's about nine or ten weeks, but you will learn so much. And if you practice the disciplines of it, man, like Dave Ramsey says, if you live like no one else today, you will live like no one else is tomorrow. See, everybody today, they're just spending, man. And they're getting in debt. Some of us here, no condemnation, but you, you're wondering, how am I going to climb out of this debt? We want to teach you how to get your life right financially so that later on you live like no one else. You're not stressed out. You're not panicked. You're not anything because you've done the right things you know, to, to get to where you need to get to right now. Okay, does that sound good? That's called impact. It'll be right here, uh, right after service. But I push that one hard every time because you, know, you, you deal with people and this stuff all the time and you want to help them get there. Let me tell you another one that's a, a significant liver, heart, kidney, and that's the Tuesday night prayer group. They meet on Tuesday nights in the rear building every Tuesday night. If you feel like you're, you're led to pray, go back there. It's not for everybody prayer, I get it. But you know, go back there and be a prayer warrior and be part of that group also. But you can still join a small group besides that group right there. Now, Jesus, he, um, I want to make sure I covered everything. Yeah, Jesus, um, he had his own small group, life group. He had 12 guys but then he narrowed it down to three at times, and they were very instrumental in his uh, being able to handle the pressures of life. And that guy was under pressure, man. Now, I think it's important, these groups, because I know that men, the articles say, the stats say that men, by the time we're 35 years of age, we don't even have a best friend. We have no one we can confide in. We don't want that to happen to you. We want you to make friends and be able to trust people and share this is what's going on in my life and get some good biblical wisdom on what's going on in your life. We're here to help you. We're not here to condemn you. We're here to, to see changes for you for the better. Trust me. Just, just trust me on that one right there. So you can sign up after service for all these. Now, let me, let me widen out this whole thing about, you know, one another and one another. We're going to go. I, I like having fun. Anybody like having fun? Okay, yeah, good. 20 of you. Praise the Lord. The rest of you are like, I don't like fun. We're going we're gonna to do some big gathering stuff. This is not everything, but there's some of the stuff we're going to do in 2020, some fun stuff. We're going to do the couples night again. We're going to do an angel game night again. I'd go back to the angel game if you guys do not bombard me with peanuts anymore. I quit going years ago because that's all you want to do is sit down there, Jim. Yeah, okay, sure. Yeah, and they bombard me. It's like a mound. By the end of the game, I'm surrounded by a mound of peanuts. Um, and, and then we're going to bring back, remember Bunko night? We're going to bring that back this year. So it's a lot of fun. So we go, what's Bunko? Trust me, I love Bunko. The only thing is you can't cheat at Bunko. You know? <laughs> Anybody know what I mean? How many of you cheaters in the room at games? Just be honest. I'm a cheater. Right? If I can pull it off. It, it just games, not life, just games. If I can pull it off, I'm going to pull it off, man. You better watch me close. I'll be pulling cards out of my sleeve, and I won't even be wearing sleeves. But because there's no, you can't cheat at Bunko. It's just the roll of dice. But anyway going to bring back marriage retreat this year uh, we're going to bring back and then amen uh, harbor cruise uh, how many went on the harbor cruise last month 
There was about 75 of us that went. It was a lot of fun. It was a, just a lot, a lot of fun. And there was a pizza place down there that I ate at. It was really, really good. I'd never eaten there before. Um, amen. Um, so those are coming back. Now, and the third thing is this. Everyone serve others. We want everyone to serve others this year. Okay, let me talk about this. We have something coming up that Bruce uh, announced uh, today. Bruce is one of our deacons, really good guy. You know the cool thing about Bruce Hassanegger who came up and announced? He's just like... He's like 50, but he gets away with wearing red pants and talking like he's all like 18 and stuff like that. And the first, let's see if anybody gets it here. He's like the, I'm going, I'm going to date myself. He's like the Troy Donahue of New Beginnings. How many know who Troy Donahue was? That means they're old, okay? Some of you go, who is that? Just go look it up, okay? He was in all the 60s beach movies, the real cool ones, though, and everything. Not beach, like, and bingo, but the cool movies, okay? But, uh, but he shared that we're going to start this thing called Growth Track. Growth Track. It's a four-week seminar. It's not a small group. It's different. But it'll be on Sunday mornings during third service in the back building and in the classroom. You could sign up at the Connect Center right outside or even online. We're going to run it about six times a year, I think, about that. But what this purpose is is to grow you, and we'd like everyone to go through it, but especially if you're newer to the church or new to it or you just want to grow, take, the, take this class. In there, you'll grow, and then you'll get some basics, and then you're going to go into your spiritual gifts. You'll take a test, you'll take home, take your spiritual gifts test, and you'll get to see how you come out. I, I know what my spiritual gifts are. I've taken these tests many times over years ago, so I know what I am. I'm, I'm a Romans 12, prophet-motivated, primary, secondary servant. I'm a, a Ephesians 4, prophet teacher. Remember I shared that before? So those are my, my primaries right there. Um, but you'll learn your, your, your serving, your spiritual gifting. You all have them once you gave your life to Christ. But in there, the whole goal is to get you to serve somewhere. That, that's the goal right there. Think about this. In Psalm 139, Old Testament Psalm, the writer, David, says that while he was in his mother's womb, God, you knew me. So at the moment of conception, that's a human. And then he says, that in your book, all my days are ordained. They are written. At the moment of conception, at moment of conception, God has written out the days of our lives. That's a TV show from a long time ago, right? The days of our lives. And um, they're ordained. Now, it doesn't mean we're going to live it out. We could choose not to. But here's the thing that we want to avoid. Wouldn't it be sad if just the way God wanted us to live our life and serve others and operate in the gifts that God has given, wouldn't it be sad if that just stayed in a book in heaven? Jesus said, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let's, let's live with the book, what God has ordained for us. Let's do that. See, some of us, we try this and this and this and this. We're just trying to find some kind of purpose and happiness and reason. You're missing the point. If you got to your spiritual gift and then within that found your passion, you wouldn't be looking at all these other things. You'd know what you're here for. I know what I'm here for. I'm here to teach the Bible. I'm here to challenge people to live for God and challenge you a little bit harder than you even like sometimes. Yeah, yeah, I know. But I know what I'm here for. I get it. And that's why sometimes people just don't like me. I get it, I'm okay, but I'm okay with that because I'll just go eat a sandwich afterwards and I'll be happy. I'm fine, but I'm going to challenge you to live for God. That's what I'm here on earth for, to teach this word, challenge you. But you have a certain thing too. See, there's a passion in you. 
You may not have ever explored the passion, but if you think about it like this, there's certain things that bug you that something needs to be done about that. How many know what I mean? That's your passion. You couple that when you find your spiritual gift and things start to, and then you start doing something about it, it starts to unfold. You see, most people mistakenly think, God, give me the details of what I'm supposed to do. Not going to happen. Find your spiritual gifting, then you realize your passion, and as you go along, then God gives the details as you serve and not the other way around. It's just not going to work the other way. He will never reveal it to you because you want everything nice and cozy in a ribbon and never have any experience to walk in it. No, 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 you've got to walk in it. I didn't, end, I, didn't want, I didn't get saved and go, well, I'm a preacher. That didn't happen. I found my passions. I kept serving in all kinds of capacities and it kept defining itself out. J- jump into growth track. It's our first time doing it. It's a very common thing that's happening in churches across America right now. It's four Sundays, third service up there. It'll be perfect for you. It'll start to show you. It'll give you a a slingshot into who you are to get you going. Now, about serving, because we want everybody to serve. That's the goal. Jesus said this in Matthew uh, chapter 20. Would you slide that over for me? Here we go. He said this. It is not this way among you. This is Jesus speaking. He's talking to you, followers of Christ. It's not this way among you. But whoever wishes to be great among you shall be your, say it. The servant is the great one, Jesus said. This is Jesus, God in the flesh. I'm not making it up. Verse 27, and whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your slave or servant. Everybody in this, they want to be first. I want to be first. No, Jesus says to be first, you're going to be the servant. Then he says, just as a son of man, that's Jesus. He's talking of himself. That's one of his titles. Son of man did not come to be served, but to if every married couple just lived that, how different would it be, huh? But to serve. If every follower of Christ just lived that, how strong would the church be? And to give his life a ransom for many. See, he laid down his life. He served people. He gave us the way to serve. The greatest people are the servants. And then Jesus says this, and there's many verses, but I'm just giving you a couple. Look at John 12. I love this verse a lot. Jim, you love all verses. I know. But anyway, if anyone serves me, Jesus speaking, if anyone serves me, he must follow me. There it is, follower again. Where I am, there my servant will will be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Now notice Jesus says, the servant, whoever serves Jesus, where Jesus is, the servant will be there. Because you're following him and you're serving in other words jesus takes notice of the servants he really sees that they're on it and they're doing something about it now we believe very strongly it's new testament that everyone everywhere should be serving somewhere in the church somewhere there should be no gaps in the body of christ there should be no weaknesses We should be driving back the gates of hell everywhere. Everywhere. And the moment we start uh, actively participating as a body of believers, we just get that much stronger. And your life will get better. Trust me. Your life will get better because now you're operating in the kingdom mindset of Jesus Christ. And and you're going to go from brokenness to wholeness. Brokenness to wholeness. Now, let me give a shout out to some significant heart, kidney, you know, uh, liver uh, followers of Christ in our church here. There are 80 walkers, not, not walking dead, but just walkers, okay? Yeah, I, know you're all, I know the culture, okay? I get it. My wife and I are two of the 80. 
And uh, what they do is uh, I send their, their part. They, they, every month they do this. I send out an email to them. It, challenge, not ch- it teaches them a little bit about spiritual warfare, about prayer. They take that little bit of teaching, but it's a reminder to go out and every month at the end of the month, that last weekend, they can do it Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, whatever it is. They walk their block or blocks. And as they walk, they pray. And they pray for the people behind all the doors that they're walking around for salvation, for transformation, for healing. People they don't know. People they may never meet on earth. When I walk, I even pray for the cars going by the people in there. You try walking on Terry Avenue and try to keep up with that one, man. But I try. I try. You can be on that list too. It's, this is not... This is just a side note. This is something we should be doing. You could be doing. There's a list in the lobby. You can sign up for it, put you on the email list. We'll send it out to you every month. It takes you 20 minutes. 20 minutes. But you're bombarding. Look, look, think about this. You burn calories and you burn the gates of hell at the same time. Right? We're here into the holistic person right now. Okay. Now, <clears throat> so I, I give a shout out to those people. You can sign up out there. So everyone, everywhere, we want you to win one person in 2020. We want you to be in, in a life group, small group, 2020. And we want you to serve somewhere in, in New Beginnings in the church here. Now, why is this so, so important that we do all these things? Well, I'm going to share with you why. I'm going to call out a young gal in our church. Cindy, would you come out here right now, Cindy? Cindy Molina. Now, she's going to share with you right now. Cindy, you're not a professional speaker, are you? I'd like to do that to her, okay? But she's going to share with you her testimony, Cindy. There's two things you should know before I begin. The first, I've never really had a home. I've moved around more than most people I know. The second, I was suicidal before I came here to New Beginnings. I had attempted suicide before, but obviously wasn't successful. I have planned to try again. The week that led me up to the Sunday I was saved, I had been binge drinking every night and doing a lot of drugs with people I had called my friends. A few weeks prior to this, I had promised my mom I would attend church. She was so excited. New Beginnings was about to start a new series called The Family. That Sunday morning, my mom had texted me to remind me I had promised her. I had still been coming down from my binge So I decided to do more drugs that morning to pick me up before I left for church. Once I arrived, I had taken a seat in the back row, playing on my phone and not really paying attention. At the end of the service, Pastor Jim asked if there was anyone who wanted to accept Jesus into their lives. I had now started to pay attention. He started by saying, God doesn't care what you've done or what you're doing. He's just waiting for you to come home. Home. It was something I've never had, and he was waiting for me. This excited, nervous feeling came over me. At this point, I was an emotional mess. I remember pastor asking us to open our eyes and look up at him if we wanted to accept Jesus as our savior. I had been so excited that instead of opening my eyes, I raised my hand. That weekend, I had planned to take my life. Instead, it was saved. (laughs) 
since then, I've been studying the Bible and praying. I've also been involved with church, joining life groups and classes, just hopping out where I can. I'm currently teaching in kids' ministry and just loving life. In September, I'll be saved six years. God is good. That's why it's important, huh? That's why it's important everyone win one. That's why it's important when somebody you lead someone to Christ or you bring somebody to get saved, you, you, you stay with them. That's why it's important. Satan wants to kill everyone. He hates people because they were created in the image and likeness of God. And that's our challenge. You can never forget that's why we do these things. You can never get caught up in the culture. You have to remember why we do what we do, why you're a follower of Christ, and what the power of God can do in a person's life. So our challenge today, I put these cards, don't, don't pick up the card yet, but I put these cards in every one of your programs. I do not want to see one of these in the parking lot on the floor. I'll find you. <laughs> we have cameras every, every 10 feet. The challenge card. In 2020, and you're going to take this, you're going to mark one, two, three, or all four. And you're going to put it on your refrigerator or wherever that's, so you can remind yourself all the time. You're going to win one. I'm going to win one. You're not in a group, you're going to join a group. Now let me say something about joining a group. Because I've been around the block enough now. God, my dad would have said that term. <laughs> but I've been around the block enough. I've counseled enough to know that sabotage is a true thing in people's lives, including Christians. There's a small percentage of you that will join a group, but you will find a reason why you get to quit that group. Oh, they said that. I didn't like this, and I didn't... See, you'll always find your noble-sounding reason why you get to sabotage and quit. That's why you don't grow. That's why you're stuck. People do that not just in small groups. They do it in marriages. They do it in relationships. They do it at jobs. See, they don't do that. You don't counsel. So let's break through and blast through and stay committed because whatever we're committed to, we become. Any amens? So when you join, don't sit there and sabotage. Don't do it. All you're doing is saying, here I am, Satan, leave me again. And that's all you're doing. So we're going to win one. We're going to join a group. We're going to serve somewhere here. My gosh, children's ministry, some of you need to get back into there, get to it or whatever. Get back in there. Help these people out, man. Because they do a lot. It's a lot of fun to sit here and enjoy a service, huh? Well, why don't you help out a little bit too? Help out. Go back to Aaron and the gang and say, hey, I'm here to serve. Bombard them. They, I, trust me, they'll love you. Um, and then we're going to tithe. We're going to give them a tithe. Now, let me, let me just say this because some of you go, oh, I knew money was going to come into play here. You just, you see you churches, you just want my money. Let me tell you something. If your mindset is all churches do is want your money, or then, then never leave your home because everyone wants your money. Don't go to Regal Theater. Don't go to Kohl's. Don't go to In-N-Out Burger. In fact, go to In-N-Out Burger and said like a number three or a do- number one, the do- and then walk with you. Hey, you got to pay. Go, what? You just want my money? 
Try that one, okay? Yeah, yeah. It costs to do everything that we do. It just does. And, you know, don't kid yourself. Don't, don't just keep taking. See, immature Christians just keep taking. What can you do for me? What? And then immature Christians, when you, we don't do what you want, then you leave and go to another church, and then you get mad there and go to another church, and you get mad there and go, because it's all about you. Get off the bottle and start eating meat, solid food, and start contributing and become a grown-up in Christ. Start doing that, okay? Your family, your husband, your wife, they will love you for the maturity they will see in your life. Let me tell you something about God. You know, you, you cannot outgive God. Well, Jim, what's a tithe? Well, the tithe is 10%. What? Oh, see, I knew it. See, once again, you just moment. Look, okay. I got it here. Don't give it here then. Go give it to an organization. Give it to another church, but give your 10%. Yeah, now what, huh? Called your bluff, huh? You got to start to learn to trust God. I've been tithing over 40 years. I've never... You know, David, David said it best. I can attest to it. Many of you can. He said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor a seed begging for bread. Yeah, just trust God. Just start doing that. And watch. When we start doing these four things, we'll drive the gates of hell back. So here's the big question. What if everyone's Christianity was like yours? What if everyone evangelized like you? What if everyone joined or didn't join a small group like you? What if everyone served or didn't serve like you? What if everyone tithed or didn't tithe like you? How strong would the church be? If everyone's faith was like yours, how strong would it be? Would we be driving the gates of hell back or would they be driving us back? Are you listening at home online? Because I'm talking to you too. You thought you escaped, huh? <laughs> Jesus, when he calls the disciples, he jumps into the boat with Peter. Peter's a fisherman. He jumps into his secure world. Peter goes, it's cool, Jesus is with us in the boat. Crossing the stormy sea. Later on, a year goes by, whatever it is, and Jesus commands the disciples, you get in the boat, cross the other side. Jesus doesn't get in. It's a whole change of dimension. The storm hits. You know the story, most of you. Jesus comes walking on water. And he can do that because he's like, God? He walks on water. And then he tells Peter, Peter, let me go. He goes, come on up, Peter, walk on water. Oh, it's a different scenario now. Now instead of me jumping in your boat, in your little comfortable world, Christian, you got to jump out of your little comfortable world and walk on water in faith with me. See, that's what Jesus is asking us to do for some of us who've never done it. Step out and now walk on water. Step out in faith. Everyone win one. Step out in faith. Everyone join a group. Step out in faith. Everyone serve. Step out in faith. Everyone tithe. Everyone everywhere do this. Now, if we did that, what kind of world would this be? What kind of fellowship would we be? And I always wonder every time I tell the story of walking on water, can you, you ever wonder what the um, 11 other disciples thought later on? Like, man, I wish I'd walked on water, right? Do you want to be at the end of your life going, oh, I wish I'd served, I wish I'd done something, I wish I'd done this, I wish I'd tithed. And by the way, if you're a Christian and you quit tithing, I wonder how much you owe back to God on back stuff. You don't have to pay it back, okay? It's forgiven. But start now. 1 Peter 4.8. Um, it's a great verse. Paul says, For bodily discipline is only of little profit. It always bothers me because I go to the gym. You can tell, right? Right? No. 
It's of little profit. It's not a big profit. But godliness is profitable for all things since it holds promise for the present life and also the life to come. That's called spiritual disciplines. Everyone win one. Evangelize. Everyone join a group. Get in a tighter fellowship. Everyone serve. Help some people. Come alongside. Be part of the body. Everyone tithe. Those are spiritual disciplines. Commit to them. You become what you're committed to. You become what you're committed to.